0: WDNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or even more. I give you the opportunity to go look at their hotel fees and take advantage of their cost savings. Please go to www.bestradiotravel.com. Dot com. Check them out. I think you'll be pleased.
1: Welcome to Second Win with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, how to find your voice and finally ask for what you really want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now, here's your host, Joyce Buford.
0: Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. It's such a pleasure that I have you here. Always, always, I love to know that you're out there listening. I'm going to give you a friendly reminder this morning of the importance of doing your planning for this year. We're creating A new year in 2020. And I don't know about you, but I am so optimistic about this year. I don't, maybe it's the way 2020 rhymes or something, but I just feel so positive about this year. I want to tell you about something really interesting I am doing. You know, my, I love to do vision board workshops and vision board workshops, you know, is putting It's the same as doing goals, but you're doing goals and what you want to achieve in a year through pictures and words and affirmations. And so I love teaching those. Well, I have a very unusual situation. The Junior League of Tyler, Texas, is having a power for the young girls. And so it's tomorrow, and we are actually offering, I'm doing, Two sessions with 125 students in each session on how to start making fish boards. Now, these are sixth graders. And although I think they will be some of the youngest, I know they're some of the youngest I've ever spoken to. I think it's exciting that they're putting the positive, the at least speaking toward creating the year that you want to have in your life. I think it's an awesome experience. Well, I will tell you next show how that day goes. I have, uh, I kind of wonder how it's going to go to 125 sixth graders in one big room. That's a new experience for me, but I am so looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be so much fun. So our guest today is a woman that I think you're going to really really enjoy. Lisa Romano is a certified life coach, best-selling author of six books, and YouTube vlogger. She specializes in codependency and narcissistic narcissistic abuse recovery. She is also one of the most listened-to meditation teachers on the world's largest meditation app, Insight Timer. Lisa creates real-life tools to help people evolve past their trauma so that they can live in peace, achieve success, and create harmony in their lives, regardless of painful past events. Now, Lisa is quoted as saying, I help wounded adult children heal from the trauma from the past by helping them understand what it is at the helm of their struggles. Wounded adult children do not always realize that it's not them. It's their childhood programming that is holding them back. I have developed proven strategies to help people heal once and for all. Oh, great. Welcome, Lisa. We are so happy to have you on the show today. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, listen, I'm looking at this and I'm going... Well, you know, we're all raised by people that are raised by people that are raised by people with um, not the best of family lives, a lot of struggle, a lot of dysfunction. So are there any that actually come out unscathed by their birth families?
2: Um, I, don't, I think it's very. I, I think we all suffer some type of trauma, and I think that, that the one universal feeling that we can all, you know, understand is this one of suffering, of mm-hmm. pain. You yeah. can look at a picture of a woman in a third world country, you know, holding a child in her arms who's been injured, and you can mm-hmm. see the expression on her on her face. And you can come from Texas, or you can come from New York. And immediately resonate with the suffering that she's experiencing yes. or the trauma of this terrible event. Mm-hmm. And so to this idea, I don't think any of us are gonna escape, you know, not having to suffer. I think it's you're a human being, you have emotions mm-hmm. you know, with other human be other human beings who are wounded, it's inevitable. The goal mm-hmm. really is to, you know, learn how to navigate when this suffering arises, learn how to how to see it for what it is, rather than come the suffering. And mm-hmm. then be unable to make your way out of it. And I'm sure as your mentor, Jack, canceled what it's what it test is that, you know, what you think and what you feel and what you believe, you know, it's almost like an agreement mm-hmm. to the universe. <laughs> yes. yes, this is true. And yeah. so we've got to be very, very careful when we're in that quagmire of emotion mm-hmm. because yeah. what we, what we, what we see is the result of what we believe. But we also, uh, we also, um, see what we believe. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that we understand that if you come from a dysfunctional home or even maybe your home wasn't that dysfunctional, but you were raised in chaos. Mm, because People, people people argued, you know, chaos is, is detrimental to a, to a child's brain because Mm. in order for a brain to wire, to feel safe and to be able to trust itself and develop a positive perception of self, Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. needs to be around pretty consistent experiences, pretty balanced people. Loving has to be consistent. It can't be conditional. So Mm -hmm. I think it's nearly impossible for a child to be born and not have some trauma to have to navigate.
1: But Mm -hmm. the good news
2: is that as you raise your awareness, Mm -hmm. as you raise your consciousness, you can become aware of the holes in the wall
0: and fix them. I like that. I like that. I was thinking as I was... Going over your information that, you know, I talk about it in my own speaking where women are nurturers. Mm-hmm. You know, we see it modeled. It's the woman and I particularly saw it in my family. It's the woman that seems to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. Can we really say, take that so lightly is that we are the nurturers of the world or is that really a, a, a bought-and-sold job that we have taken on, as, and it becomes codependency.
2: I I think nurturing is a beautiful thing, and I think the ability to nurture is a beautiful thing. Right. And, you know, I think the idea that, you know, the fact that a woman's body is responsible for the ultimate creation, we can't do it without sperm, obviously. Right, right. but the idea that a woman's body is created to nurture this little embryo, you know, now, into this little fetus, into this human being is pretty fabulous. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I don't think it's a negative thing to, that, that women have this nurturing role. I think that when we box ourselves into that role and society says that's all you can do, you know, you can't own, yeah. own business, you know, you you, you can't do this amazing you can't go to the moon because you have to stay home i think that's where we get into trouble
1: mm.
0: um, yeah
2: and i also yeah. think that our roles the roles of men and women have changed so dramatically over the past 100 years it's you know and so much has happened so quickly that mm-hmm. we're there's we're imbalanced we're suffering with this imbalance you know 100 years ago men were men and women were women and we kind of like knew what our roles were and everybody just followed along you know <laughs> yeah yeah you know? yes as things are like, wait a minute, that's not so fair. I want a bit, little bit of that. I want some more freedom. I want to, you know, own my own home. I want to, you know, buy my own car and start my own business, and I'm a female. Yeah, You know, and right. My body, I have the uterus, therefore I have the babies. I get that, but we need to balance this out a little bit. Um, mm. So I think we have to find the balance, and I think um, men, I see it in, in my own son, and I see it in his friends that, you know, they are, they are, men are becoming more nurturers. At least that's my yes.
0: experience. Yes. Yes. I think they are too. Yeah. Yeah,
2: we're trying to strike that balance. And men are going to, you know, men and, men and women are going to have to work this out where we're going to have to hold on to this, our, you know, the ability to nurture by nature, you know, but also, mm-hmm. you know, hold on to this idea that we also have a right to create our own lives. And then we have to help men catch up, you
1: know, yes.
2: to the point where, we allow them to nurture because sometimes women we want to do everything
0: we don't we I know that was my mother to
2: help out <laughs> yeah but no, no no you can't do it as good as me but um, <laughs> but but yes when we are raised by women who model caretaking and then play the martyr then we develop little girls who do the same and Mm-hmm. Think that it's their jo- job to make other people happy and to cater other to people uh, to other people to ignore themselves, and then they become very angry women. Right. Very dis- very angry, very stifled, and very unhappy, miserable, mm-hmm. depressed, and so it can go awry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I introduced a word that maybe I need a we need a little definition. A big definition sure. about this word. Codependency. Can you tell us what that is that we're going to be talking about today?
2: Sure. So, you know, it's it's quite the buzzword, you know, and it was mm-hmm. a little bit of background. You know, back in the 1960s, 1970s, therapists and counselors and researchers were trying to, they were kind of like amazed at how similar the spouses of alcoholics behave. low self-esteem, mm. They had an inability to make decisions. They confused pity with love. They tended to be caretakers. They tended not to be able to set boundaries. They had a very poor sense of self or no sense of self. And originally, mm. researchers thought that was because they were married to alcoholics that they had to take care of. Well, further research into early childhood trauma to this 80s and 90s and so forth, we're realizing that that People who have codependency are actually drawn to people who have alcoholism because mm-hmm. we're, we are caretakers and uh, we know how to manage chaos and we know how to worry about other people, but we don't know how to worry about the self. Yeah. So my I want to broaden the idea of codependency because my idea of codependency is any time that I think that who I am and what my sense of value is tied to something externally, I can be considered codependent upon that thing for a sense of self. So okay. it's this idea that I don't have a healthy sense of self or who am I, but if I'm the prettiest girl in the room, I am someone. Or yeah. if I have the biggest house in the block, I am someone. Yes. Or if I have a relationship, I am someone. So yeah. we can be, when we're codependent, we tend to stay in relationships that are unhealthy longer than we should.
0: Yeah. We don't know how to
2: like I said earlier, we don't know how to set boundaries and we cater to the needs of others. But further, we become codependent on something or someone outside of ourselves for a sense of who am I. Does that make yes. sense to you?
0: Definitely. Okay. Oh definitely. Awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of, as you're going through this, I'm even using myself as a model, because I know Mm -hmm. I am codependent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've described me. me. Raising my hand. (laughs) Raising my hand. Raising my hand. (laughs) I think there's far more than we'd like to admit, you know, but. I I think it's, yeah, we have to. That's why
2: I I talk about it whenever I get a chance, because, uh, you know, before I was diagnosed, I had to, I was, I knew I, I didn't know I was depressed, but. My hair was falling out, I had stomach problems, I had migraine headaches, I had rashes, I couldn't sleep, I had anxiety, I had panic disorder, um, I had all of these terrible uh things happening to me physically, but I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was it's because I was looking for happiness outside of myself. Well if I take care of my ex husband, then he'll love me, then I'll feel enough. If I right. take care of my in laws and if I anticipate their needs, certainly they'll care about me and then I'll be enough. Mm-hmm. So the entire time I'm exhausted, I'm frustrated, I'm not getting my needs met, I expect people to read my mind, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm really devolving instead of evolving. And
1: mm-hmm. then when
2: I walked to my therapist's office and he said, you're not crazy, you're codependent, I was like, what does, but I don't drink and my ex-husband doesn't, my husband doesn't drink and, you know, how could I be codependent? And then as I began to investigate, I was like, whoa, I am the poster child of codependency. <laughs> Um, and then once I, once I really grabbed hold of my accountability and how I had let go of the reins of the self and mm-hmm. really allowed other people to define me, um, mm-hmm. that was really difficult because mm-hmm. I had to accept that I was programmed for this type of maladaptive way of perceiving myself, the world, and my position in it.
0: That mm-hmm. was very
2: difficult. But it became my mission to figure it out and help, help people learn how to undo it. And that's what I do.
0: Yeah. Was it the moment in, the, in your therapy that you became, was that the defining moment, the transition through your therapy, that you knew this is what you needed to do? Or was the deciding factor that led you to divorce? Or what was it that turned your life into a different direction toward healing? Toward well,
2: I think, I think what happened was I, 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 I no, matter what, no matter what I tried, I wanted to connect to my ex-husband, and that's mm-hmm. very common for codependency because codependency is rooted in abandonment yes. and um, powerlessness. And more than anything, I was just like, why can't I connect with you? Like, why can't we ever get on the same page? And mm-hmm. I was really losing myself. And he mm-hmm. said to me one day, I said to him, I want to go into therapy for us. And he said, I'm not crazy. And if you feel crazy, you go into therapy. And I was really Joyce. I was at my wit's end. I was like panic attack. Like I there was nothing left in me. I was terrified, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely Mm -hmm. terrified. And I thought, okay, I'll be a good little codependent because I'm crazy and go into therapy. And the first session, you know, I he's why are you here? You know, I was like, well, I feel crazy. You know, like I can't connect to my husband, and I'm unhappy. But I have three kids, and they're healthy, and I have a beautiful house, but I'm so unhappy. Mm-hmm. And blah, blah, blah. And he said, Well, mm-hmm. you know, do you, is there any alcoholism in your family? I said, No, I don't drink. He said, That's not what I asked you. And it was like, Whoa, right. wait a minute. Whoa, what do you mean? It got my attention because my mind raced uh-huh. a, million time, a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He said, I didn't ask you if you were an alcoholic. I asked you if there was alcoholism in your family. And I said, Well, my grandparents were alcoholics. And he said, Oh, so you were raised by adult children of alcoholics. I said, mm-hmm. I guess so. And he said, "Well, I have good news. And I have bad news. You're, the good news is you're not crazy, but you are codependent. It's going to take everything you, you have to like undo this. So that was mm. a defining moment for me.
1: Yeah. One, then the
2: next the next step was what is codependency, and I was so excited because I was I went to my ex husband. I go, I know what's wrong with us. We're codependent. I pursue you, and you withdraw." The more yeah. I want to connect with you, the more suffocated you feel and the more you run away. All I have uh-huh. to do is stop chasing your approval. I have to stop taking care of you. I have to start taking care of myself. And he says, uh-huh. oh, no, I'm not going to have any of that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, no, no. I like things just the way they are with you chasing of me and with you, yes, buying my underwear and, you know. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yes. No. And that shocked me because I was like, What? now what? Right he's not he's not going to be on board.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: I realized another defining moment was through my recovery work, I was like, when I realized when I was doing studies on childhood child psychology and the subconscious mind, I was like, this is literally like an, an app in your cell phone. Codependency is an app, and your mm-hmm. subconscious mind works this codependency app. Mm-hmm. Out of your out of your awareness of it. And I said, I've yeah. infected my children with the same virus. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I had to get out of the marriage. I wanted to teach them to love themselves and mm-hmm. to stand up for themselves. And mm-hmm. that was another defining moment. So my life has been a series of defining moments. And then once I got out, I knew I
0: wanted to help other people learn what I learned. Yeah, that's a great mission. Great. Yeah. Passion. Because there's so many people affected to it. I was married to an alcoholic and I didn't I did not want to leave the marriage. I really didn't. I wanted it to work, but it wasn't working. So I started growing. And that didn't work. That did not work well. No. So more and more distance. Oh, I wish I would have talked to you back then. Oh (laughs) about twenty years earlier. You know,
2: when you're married to an alcoholic, you know, you don't want to admit that he or she might be an alcoholic. You don't want to admit it. yeah. Yeah. Right. And you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, you think they might be an alcoholic, but you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, and then what does this mean about you if you're married to an alcoholic? It's so maddening. And it's all about codependency, which is we struggle with being able to say this is my experience and this is how I feel. This is my authentic truth. And deeper, this is where I want to go. So we're stuck.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll laugh at this, Lisa. We went through couples therapy. I never Mm -hmm. even talked about alcoholism. She never even asked about it.
2: Yeah. It was all, fix
0: this woman. (laughs) That would be me.
2: Yes. Yes. (laughs) So Why are you so unhappy? Why are you so unhappy, Joyce? (laughs) Yeah. You You have
0: so much.
2: That's right. Yes. I hear it all the time. And then there's yeah. so much shame because you look around in the physical 3D world and you think, well, I do have stuff. But with suffering, where you're suffering, where the deficit is, nobody can see. So in order yes. to appreciate the deficit within you, you need to hold, you need to trust yourself, right? Because the world is going to say, you don't have a right to feel the way you feel, Joyce. Mm. He's a good guy.
0: But okay, now I was listening, listening. I, you all have to go to Lisa's website. It's just full of good information. She's very generous in offering so many videos you could listen to, and I listened to part of one. And in that video, you I think this is where I heard that, Um you said shame, you don't always know where shame might come from. hmm Didn't you say yeah. that? Did I hear that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, so, yeah, shame is a big deal. Oh,
2: it is. Shame is So you tell me more. So shame well my 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 theory is that when you're born, you're supposed to feel connected to these beings that have created you or summoned you to this three D experience. Yeah. And when you're when you're when you're when you're born to someone who may struggle with being able to finally attune themselves to you, then mm-hmm. you feel your brain registers, uh oh, danger. As you evolve into a two and three year old little being, your ego gets developed, your ego is developed, a part of your personality. And the right. ego is aware that you need these other people for mm. safety
0: to eat. Mm-hmm.
2: And then if they are not attuning themselves to you, then your little mind, because it's subjective, not objective, thinks it's your fault. Right. So if so if Daddy, for instance, is an alcoholic and keeps missing my baseball game or my soccer game, it's my fault. I don't know uh, that daddy is drinking and daddy forgot. I don't know. I just know that he's not here and it's my fault. So right. shame starts very very early because children assume responsibility for it and then this this theme of accepting responsibility for why we're unable to connect with people, why people are angry, this just 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 continues and we don't always mm-hmm. know as adults, where this shame is coming from, because it's subconscious, mm. we don't remember where this, this shame is rooted. just't we just know that when we, when we have when we invite someone out and they don't show up, we feel ashamed. we don't know that it's tied to some childhood experience of being abandoned right. or if we're unable to make someone happy. We don't know that it's tied to some earlier experience. You don't mm-hmm. always know where shame comes from. And then yeah. I also think if you're born into a religious family, sometimes it's very easily easy to have young children misunderstand um, what their parents may have been trying to instill in them. I've had so many clients oh. suffer spiritual abuse, you know, because they, the Bible was used against them or scripture was used against them, you mm-hmm. know, um, and so shame can come from feeling separate from even your own God um, or feeling unworthy oh. of your own God.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Or, or if you're different, society will shame you. If you're overweight, society will shame you. If you're not the prettiest little girl in school, or you know, you right? Know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's uh, shame comes uh, from my, so many places. Uh,
0: my sister was oh three years older than I was. She was very smart and very mm-hmm. good at uh, manipulating. She was the mm-hmm. ideal daughter. And mm-hmm. I was sort of the artsy one, you might say. Um mm-hmm. And so I just got, I really did get a lot of messages, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not smart enough. I'm not yep. cute enough. I'm not. And then I had, we lived in a housing area, and I had three of the meanest cousins in the world mm-hmm. that we played with. Mm-hmm. And I think I was really introduced to bullying, Mm-hmm. I really do through those three Absolutely. kids. Yeah, and, and my sister it's, went it's, along yeah. with them. So
2: yeah, that's terrible. You know, yeah, and that's that's it's so tough. that's so terrible, and that happens a lot, and it happens early. You know, um, and it really can stain you with this idea that I'm powerless against groups. You know, Ooh, and when, yes, mm-hmm,
0: good point. Groups, I never thought of that.
2: And authorities, because you sit, when you're when you're young, three, a three-year mm-hmm. older sibling is an authority. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about a, an eight-year-old who has an eleven-year-old sister. That's an authority. Mm-hmm. It's yes. we're not equal. Well, eight yeah. and eight-year eight-year-old and eleven, we're not equal. And so there could be this feeling of the feeling uh, the fear of a, of an authority figure when an older sibling or older co- older cousins are pushing you around and bullying. You bullying you. Yeah. It all comes back yeah. to you the being, feeling, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but I just know that I'm not enough. Right. I'm not enough to I'm not
0: love. big enough to stand up to these bullies.
2: I'm not en- or I'm not enough to have them it's deeper, it's not I'm not enough to have them see me as one of them. Ah. I'm not enough. Yes. I'm not enough for them. I'm different.
0: Yeah. Cuz I wouldn't have been able with my uh, age to have de- to have understood mm-hmm even what a no. bully is, or just set them out mm-hmm. as uh, a person that's not doing something right, that's being cruel Correct. to me. I would just consider Correct. it as interaction, and they don't yeah. like me. And,
2: and yeah, they don't like me, and, and children assume responsibility for that. It's my fault. And then what a yeah. child wants to do is shame moves in, but a child always feels like, I wish they would accept me. Yeah, you know, this longing, just longing for why don't they like me and why don't they love right. me? And, yeah. You know, it's just, well, it just becomes a theme.
0: Yeah. Well, this is a good time for us to take a little pause here. We're going to have a commercial and talk about, but haven't we learned a lot, people out there listening? Can you see yourself in some of these roles that Lisa has so beautifully described for us today? Well, you could tell I did, so I hope that you have kind of identified and you know you know where you can go Lisa's website so we'll be giving you all that information but we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with more about you and how you can grow into a strong whole person
1: transformational coach motivational speaker and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break com, or by calling
0: 903-287-0747. Tokenet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal www.bestradiotravel.com Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce J-O-Y-C-E to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J O I C E.
1: Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford.
0: Welcome back to our visit with Lisa Romano. And as you know, we're talking about codependency. One of the things that Lisa and I were talking about over break is that I had never put together the history of my family. My father was raised by his father, of course, who had a divorce in his family and he was on his second marriage and I, we never talked about it, but I believe granddad was an alcoholic. Now later in his life, when I was really around him the most, he was not drinking. But I do believe he was at one time. And so, but as Lisa will say, he was a dry alcoholic. And so that brings to <laughs> to mind that that would be why I would identify, fall in love with an alcoholic in my marriage. Because I felt so comfortable dealing and surviving in that, whether good or bad, Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Lisa.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's part of what you it's part of your programming. You know, it's part of what you grew up in. You know, your dad was the adult child of an alcoholic who was raised by an alcoholic. And yes. so you came from a dry home where alcohol wasn't the issue, but yeah. what we fail to recognize is really our emotional set point. Like Who raised us? I was raised by adult children of alcoholics like you were. And Mm -hmm. my parents thought, well, if I don't drink, then everything's fine. But they never dealt with their childhood trauma. They never dealt with the narcissism of their fathers. They never dealt with the alcoholism. Um, In my case, my father's mother actually committed suicide, and that was never dealt with. So my Uh, parents never learned to deal with their feelings. And so when it came to dealing with us, we weren't allowed to have feelings. We were expected to suppress our feelings. And so Mm -hmm. I couldn't, you know, nothing made sense to me except when I was helping to take care of other people. So Mm I, like you, you manifest people who demand that you take care of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's my opinion that alcoholics, listen, alcoholics have an issue. It needs to be addressed. However, Mm -hmm. when they are in the throes of active alcoholism and they haven't figured out why they drink, in my opinion, they can act as and present as very narcissistic because yes. alcoholics are, you know, very often before they're diagnosed and before they even accept that they have an you know, issue with alcohol will deny that they have an issue with alcohol. And so when their spouse says, I think you're drinking too much, they say, you're crazy,
0: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
1: there's
2: nothing wrong with, with me, me drinking. What's the, So there's this big denial
1: mm-hmm.
2: narcissists in general, um, are rooted in denial and they yes. have little empathy for how they treat other people. And um, you know, it, it's uh, when you're living with an alcoholic who is creating havoc in your life and there is denial of it. It's like living with a narcissist.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I so identify with that. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that in uh, let me see. I'm trying to put this question together. Um, in your life, then, did you find yourself single parenting since we were oh, both? Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, yes. My, my yeah. ex-husband, I always felt like I was alone in my marriage. In fact, yep. I felt like I had another child. Yeah. And in my case, when I asked him to step up and be a more uh, viable partner, he would get angry. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was actually, when I got divorced, it was, it's odd to say, but it was actually easier for me to raise my children without this other person. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just easier because I knew not, I knew that he wasn't there to just rely on myself, but, oh yes, i I always felt alone, unable to connect to him. Um, and, but really I never realized that I really wasn't connected to myself, that I didn't know how to honor my feelings. I just knew how to. Take care of people and to stuff my feelings. And I always felt like I needed his, uh, permission to feel what I felt or I needed him to say, Oh, yes, you have a right to feel that way. I never Uh, knew, I I never knew that I had a right to have a perception of him. And if that right, if I, my perception sucked, it was valid. (laughs) And I didn't need him to say, yes, you know, I'm a crappy husband. I'm a crappy (laughs) partner, you know, which was what I was waiting for, which sounds so bizarre. Yeah, but you know, if you're a codependent or you know, you you don't stand up for
0: yourself, you'll understand that language. Well, you're kinda so hungry to agree on something, I found. Yeah. Didn't you want to agree on something in the marriage?
2: Well, yeah, I remember going into therapy going, I we're not even we're not on the same planet. We're not in the same universe. We can't get from point A to point B. I am alone in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something earlier that I really want to bring out and emphasize. I, to this day, I'm getting so much better. But Mm -hmm. boundaries, oh, Mm -hmm. my word, there were no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I couldn't discuss things that were bothering me because Mm -hmm. I'd never seen it modeled in my household growing up. And so right. it was really hard for me to even put the sentence together, much yep. less all the emotional feeling of uh what would happen if he didn't like what I said or Correct. what would be the repercussions. And mm-hmm. it's just a crazy what goes through your mind. Yep. I mean, it's well, like you look at everything with no power.
2: Yeah, well, the thing is the, the brain, what we have to understand is like this, is what I talk about in my programs and my books is that you have to understand that your brain comes with a prefactory setting to avoid pain. And yeah. so if you're, if you get the sense that the person that you're living with is going to be unhappy if you bring a certain topic up, your yes. brain associates pain with that.
0: Uh huh.
2: Your brain will have a natural avoidance your brain, before you even realize it, your mind will decide, oh, not talking about that, because I know he's going to get upset. Mm-hmm. You're always trying to avoid pain. We don't realize we're living in fear. We're living mm. in survival. We don't realize it. Right. And to yeah. an adult child, which you are, you are an adult child, to an right. adult child just living in survival, unfortunately, we, we associate that with pleasure. As mm-hmm. long as we're not making people angry, as long as you know everything's moving along, right? We're okay. So that's not really thriving. That's surviving.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I watched mm-hmm. my mother live, you know, under the thumb of my father, who, you know, is is has. I would say he's on the narcissistic spectrum. She was terrified mm-hmm. of him. Yeah. Terrified. Mm-hmm. And she learned, you know, she would say to us, Lisa, just do what he wants, and he won't get angry. And I would look at her like, "Mom, he's wrong. Just <laughs> do yeah. what your father wants you to do, and he'll be okay." Like, I'm like, "Mom, hello, is anybody home?" Like, you know, he's wrong. You know, but she yeah. learned that yeah. if she acquiesced, there was peace on earth. And I would say to her, "You're not thriving; you're surviving. This is not living. Tiptoeing around yeah. this man who has no empathy for you is not living." But Unfortunately, she passed away. You know, she ended up with, had a stroke, and got dementia. And mm. uh, it's, it was very sad for me. As a, and it's part of what the fuel under my butt is to coach people so that they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't die the way my mother did, unaware, unconscious. And, you know, um, never knowing how her childhood affected her and why she manifested the mate that she manifested.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, all, did she all, die can't, can't be, uh, before your father died? No, no, my dad's still still living. Yeah, okay, so he's still, has he found another wife? Not
2: yet. (laughs) Not yet.
0: Oh, so she just recently died.
2: Well, she passed away in 2018, and my dad is now living with my sister and her two children, so I think if he was not being catered to, then he would find someone. But Mm -hmm. uh, she's Mm -hmm. kind of, in my opinion, she's replaced my mom. And takes care of him, and you know when you're in the, when you're high on the narcissistic spectrum, you need someone to take care of you. you right. You need someone who mirrors back to you, you're wonderful, you're terrific. Mm-hmm. You know, you just need that. You can't you can't survive mm-hmm. without this false image being projected back to you.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I, th- I find the I relationship think, with my ex husband and my children much that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much that mm-hmm. way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if they don't mirror back to him then he's awesome. Or yeah. if they don't mirror if they or if they dare to say cuz they're black and white thinkers. You know, we all mm-hmm. are to a degree, but with mm-hmm. a narcissist or somebody who's very fragile emotionally, um this if you slight them in the slightest, in their head you're bad. There's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what good you've done for them. Uh-uh. The moment you slight them, all of that goes out the window and that's why they can be so vindictive.
0: Right yeah yes well if there is a, li- a woman out there listening um, that has these symptoms what would you encourage her to do see a therapist do what well, I with, think that, listen that, to you I think that a lo- you have a wonderful well, uh, test you could take on your site
2: yes I have a codependency quiz that they can take and they yeah. can download yeah. the answers um, mm-hmm. you know I think that you know codependency isn't in the diagnostic manual yet um and so it's not diagnosable i think it should be but it's not really yeah it's not no you know and so hopefully in the the future it will Mm -hmm. be but codependency is basically some people say it's a lack of self-love i think it's deeper i think it's a lack of self i think it's living externally um thinking that if i'm the best nurse or if i'm the best doctor or if i'm the best you know, um, mom, if I'm the best this, or if I'm the whatever, it's this external thing that I'm looking for that I hope will give me a sense of self, you're going to develop codependency symptoms. Now, when you first hear something like this, it can be frightening. I was terrified when I was like, I'm codependent. I was terrified because <laughs> it meant that I... I was living in denial. And yeah. I remember the moment I said to myself, if these are not my thoughts, whose thoughts are they? You know, no. if you know, and I it freaked me out, and I was like, these mm-hmm. are my mother's programs, they're not mine, they're mm-hmm. not mine. So that scared me. Um, right. But I stayed on the path, and I got through it, and that's and I eventually I created a blueprint. I mean, I was I was hungry for this. I I still am. You know, this mm-hmm. became my life. Healing myself became my life. And I spent the one of the reasons so funny that Jack Sanfield is your mentor because. I remember listening to him, and and he he one thing that he said was, you know, and I remember thinking like, okay, Jack, how do I do that? I'm a single mom with three kids. Like, follow your passion, you know? Like, okay, yeah, you no. know, I love to help people. You know, I love to talk and meet people. How the hell am I going to turn that into a passion,
0: Jack? <laughs> you know, and like, voila, it is a and passion. How are you
2: Yeah. So, and it was basically what I took from that was just, just do what you love. And that's, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do what I love. And I created a website and then I started writing internet articles and here we are. Um, yeah. But I remember at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still going about to publish Mm -hmm. my seventh book. Um, so I'm still going. But when you first, when you first realize you're codependent, you're terrified because you're like, Oh my God, that means I've been denying so much and I'm part of this dynamic. So is terrifying mm-hmm. so i think if you're going to go into therapy if you have anxiety it's great to say mm-hmm. wow i have anxiety but go deeper why do i have anxiety what am i suppressing i love sentence completion work and one of the best books that i've ever read read, uh, read was by nathaniel brandon and it's called honor the self i oh. think that's a great place to start um if you're going to go into therapy Look for a, look for a therapist who is I, I say a trauma informed therapist because those of us from codependency have suffered what's called abandonment trauma. We've been abandoned emotionally in childhood, and not every therapist understands that. Lots of therapists just want to talk about what's happening on the surface with the marriage. No, we've got to go deeper, deeper.
0: Uh, I had
2: a. I had
1: well, a
0: I'd have him. to tell him really. Yes. I unfortunately we went through three therapists yeah and they too. never got that part none of yep. Them. yep and it doesn't speak well for the therapists in my little town but um, so why not go directly to you I mean you've that's studied you' you know that's, that's actually what fine. I'm I have
2: an online program I have a we run a fall session um, and we run a summer session online. We're about mm-hmm. to launch our uh, program this month on uh, February 6th, I think we launched, and it's an online class. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, moderators that help me moderate the class, and you go through this 12-week class of video lessons, meditations. because I believe what's wrong is what's in the subconscious mind. I'm doing what I'm doing, but I don't know why I'm doing it, and what I'm doing is keeping me stuck. So talking mm-hmm. about it isn't going to do a damn thing. I have to get to the root of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's why I create the meditation. So yes. it's twelve weeks of meditations, twelve weeks of journaling. I create the the prompts, um, and we meet on Facebook every day. We talk it out. We have a live call every week, and it, the, the program, uh, you know, is very successful. I'm very proud of it. It's very successful, um, yeah. and the graduates are then able to go into a law of attraction master class where they're they get to hone their emotional set point. Uh-huh. Um, I also offer a membership site for people who want to get in there and start now. Rather than wait for one of my programs to start, you can get into one of my classes now and start working on your own. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really trying to be a, a source for people who want to
0: awaken and heal their subconscious programming. Yeah. So. so tell them how to go to your website so they can look at all this. Sure.
2: Yeah, you can go to Romano. Two A's, R-O-M-A-N-O dot com. And mm-hmm. you can check out what we have to offer. You can also listen to me on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram. Um, and I like I like you said earlier, I'm one of the most listened to meditation teachers on Insight Timer, which is a free meditation app.
0: I wonder if I don't have that. I don't always go to yeah. it, but I have lots of apps. So I'm going to yeah. check it out after our program here today. But you have six books I mean, yes, I have my books. goodness. Mm-hmm. So where would mm-hmm. you start if somebody wanted to start with a book?
2: I would start, well, I wrote my books in a specific order. So I would start mm-hmm. with The Road Back to Me. The Road Back to Me really helps people view, understand their life through the, through the eyes of their inner child. So you understand how innocuous interactions or what seems like innocuous interactions with your mother and your father or your family, your sister, like you mentioned, could mm-hmm. wound you and how that could create this program for feeling not enough. Um yeah. so I would start with The Road Back to Me. Um I would move on to my road beyond the codependent divorce. That that's where the the Road Back to Me picks uh ends and you can pick it up, actually picks up. Um the next book that I would read is Codependent Now What? It's not you, it's your programming. The next book I would read is Quantum Tools to Help You Heal Your Life Now. And the next two books I would read as Affirmations. So I'm creating a series of books where people can read an affirmation a day and really, really ponder on that affirmation to help Mm. you heal from subconscious programming, codependency,
0: and narcissistic abuse. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that's really good because you do, I mean, Amazon has not laid them out that way. You know. No, um, I know. It, they it, they do not have that same order. What is the one on El Camino?
2: Oh, that's the El, El Camino mean, is the Spanish version of the Road Back to Me. It's oh, okay.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. okay.
2: And the next book was... is it'll, uh, it'll be co- it'll be due out this year. Um, it's called the Codependency Manifesto: The Way Out of the Codependent Mind, um, and. uh, it's pretty much a culmination of all of my books into, one, the theories and the ideas and, and the practices. Lots of journaling to help uh, us awaken to what's keeping us stuck.
0: Right, right. And when's that come out? Or I would you... say it
2: should be out within the next six months. Oh, cool. It should be ready.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So have you always liked to write, or is this something that through your healing you kind of – discovered that you liked to write because I'm sure you did journaling with your healing. Oh,
2: well, thank God I, I love to write. And I love to write poetry as a child because I think it saved me because Uh writing, writing was the only place where I felt safe because I felt like my mother was in my mind judging me, you know, and uh, I was afraid to upset my father and, you know, everyone looked so, so happy, but everything felt so sterile. Um, I felt like I had all these emotions inside of me for loving my family, but we weren't a very nurturing family. I had nowhere to go with these feelings. And so they got locked inside of me and I got very confused about who I was. I felt very bad, like there was something wrong with me. And the only place where I I felt able to express that was on paper. And so I've always written. Mm. since I'm seven.
1: Yeah. Since
0: I learned to write. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. not my strongest asset. I don't like to write mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a a learning uh, disability, which really was not mm-hmm. discovered until about a year ago. And it was quite interesting. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the... But it was where your eyes see uh, streams of space in the printed text. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to think of what that is called. But anyway, mm-hmm. it, it can be corrected by tinted glasses. Right. And the good thing is now children are tested for this, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I spent a lot of my life struggling with that. So it's kind of affected my writing and reading. Well, and
2: um I'm not you know, I'm not sure, Joyce, but also just so you know that there's there's studies that suggest that when you're when you live with an alcoholic, which is who who very oftentimes they present as narcissists, you're experiencing yeah. narcissistic abuse and you're living in a trauma trauma environment, you're you're oh, yeah. stuffing your feelings for the sake of your children, that yeah. will affect you. So and if you're raised in a home that's un you know, that's unpredictable or if there's a lot of stress, that also affects your ability to learn. Oh. Well that's good to know. There you go. There you go. But the go. good news is you, you can you know, you can um get a lot of that back.
0: Which is awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, the the believing I'm smart, even though I've run mm-hmm. a children's museum here in Tyler, mm-hmm. and I love mm-hmm. the work. Once I could get into the areas where I could express myself, oh my yeah. gosh, the world just started opening up. It's and so important I, because yeah. we're
2: all part of the flow. We're all part of the flow, Joyce. Yeah. And when you come from a dysfunctional home, you're not you're constricted. You're not part of the flow. Right. And so you're born to like an acorn is born not to only become a tree, but to become a forest. You know, oh, I love about that. it. An acorn—it's true. And we—we yeah. we have, we have not come to play it small, but our fears keep us small. We have come to evolve. You know, we've right. come, we've come to touch people and to you know share our message and share our gifts. And when we're not doing that, we're in, we're in a state of constriction. You know, we our brains don't operate well. We don't operate well. Our body systems don't operate well. So, yes, you found the flow. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I found color. Awesome. <laughs> you know, in Children's Museum, you use all those primary colors. I love it. And love so it. anyway, <laughs> then we got yeah. a designer in there, and he went to those designer colors. But anyway, it was a yeah. great, great period of my life to help me in my healing, actually. That's wonderful. So it probably kept me together during my five last years of marriage. Yeah, so, I hear you. you know, we, we sometimes don't see those gifts, you know what we that we have when you're so, living in
2: survival, you can't, and when you're living with someone who's disordered for any reason, you're managing chaos uh-huh. so you're not looking within you're not looking within there's no right. there's no chance to look within because the outside world is is constantly it's like sand it's shifting between you know beneath your feet mm-hmm. you're constantly managing something outside of you so the last five years of your marriage, maybe you knew that it was ending. Um, mm. And to and what made you feel good is connecting to something inside of you.
0: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it was building my strength because mm-hmm. the more decisions I could make, the more powerful I became Correct. outside of the family, outside Correct. of the marriage. Mm-hmm. And Correct. so, of course, that didn't work for the marriage. You know how that goes. Right. So, yeah. but anyway, and something look we at you really now. have. What? <laughs> look at yeah. you now. Look what you've done. Oh, oh yeah. I love doing the podcast <laughs> because I can talk great. to such interesting people like Lisa. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And we're sharing so much good information for my listeners Amen. out there. I Amen. know there's a woman out there that needs to hear that message today.
2: Sure. And sure.
0: so we've reached her. We haven't really talked much about neg- negative negative self talk and limiting beliefs. We have, but we haven't. And it, mm-hmm. it's if your mind is filled with that, you need to visit Lisa's site. You need to get familiar with what's there to offer. I believe in going where the healer is. I do not believe in just going to a title that says mm-hmm. they do this. Mm -hmm. I've found in my journey that you go where the healer is, (laughs) the one that's dealt with the issue. Mm -hmm. So, Lisa, I really appreciate that you have given us this time, this great information. Um, I just have thoroughly enjoyed the program today.
2: Oh, me too. Thank you so much, Joyce. And thank you for being you. And in spite of the past. Transforming yeah. your life and turning, you know, uh, uh, you know, turning yourself into this person who inspires other people. That's that's such a
0: beautiful thing. Ah, thank you. You're well, welcome. I do hope that we will cross paths with you again, so oh, that we be awesome. Yeah, so we can continue sharing this really this strong message that needs to be heard by mm-hmm. so many women out there, and yeah. it needs to be heard by men too occasionally. You know, Mm -hmm. they may get into situations where they're really living in a difficult life as well. But I I am particularly fond of my sisters. So thank you, Lisa, for being with us today. Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you. Now, if you have listened to this program and you really have questions, you're saying, is this really me? Then I want you to go to Lisa's site, uh, www.lisaaromano.com. M-A-N-O.com and visit it. Take the test. But just as usual, we brought you great information that you can take and run with it. You can put it into your daily life. And until next week, I say make this week count. Grow here. Grow there. Grow somewhere. Take a step for you. We love you. Stay tuned.
1: Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.